Hey, you're listening to Yo, This Can't Be Life, the podcast that aims to educate and inform Black women on how to take better care of their physical, mental, and financial health. I'm your host, Bree Montgomery, and I'm inviting you to join me as I interview resident experts to find out the cheat codes to living your best life. The information provided is intended to be general advice and should not be considered medical advice. For that, please consult your medical professional. Okay, and now we're going to welcome here in Norwood, a licensed mental health therapist to the show. I'm so glad to have you. Can you let us know a little bit about yourself? Yes, um, so I am a licensed mental health therapist in the state of Indiana. Um, I currently have a small um, private practice that I'm continuing to build, as well as doing some contractual work on the side as well. I got into the field of mental health counseling because of my passion for the Black community, honestly, and just reducing the stigma and helping to increase wellness, as well as being a resource to people in the Black community. I feel like Mm -hmm. we don't have enough um, mental health practitioners of color as well as enough people that can actually speak into our experience and be a person that can kind of add to the, I guess, knowledge and positive aspects of mental health counseling. I'm so glad you did. So we're talking about removing the stigma because that's one of the things I hear most often about the barriers to people seeking health uh, or mental health as far as the Black community. What types of things do you think that we can do to kind of push the envelope forward and get to our goal of making people feel like it's okay to not be okay? I think one of the things we can do is kind of what we're doing here is having conversations, creating an environment where things are normalized. And so it doesn't feel like such a taboo topic. It does not feel like such an alienating experience. It could be something that it's okay to not be okay even if you are a part of the Black community. And for a long time, that hasn't been something that Mm -hmm. we've been able to allow ourselves to feel. Um, So going along with that will really be kind of like the the conversations that we have in which we aim to empower each other, which is partially why I feel like we haven't been able to have that conversation, have the space to feel like we can communicate with people when we aren't feeling okay. And it's kind of the belief that, Mm -hmm. you know, we're unbreakable, Our people went through so much more, which is definitely true. And I'm in no way saying to negate that. I think it speaks to us and is a testament to who we are. But also recognizing that in them making all the sacrifices that they did, it's gotten us to a point where we can actually care for ourselves. We can create environments where we're able to thrive and not just survive. And I think it's really important to kind of hold on to that and push that forward. Okay. So what should you do? If you are a friend or a family member to encourage someone to seek help, that it's okay, that you notice that they may be going through those things and they may not want to talk about it. What kind of things can you do as an ally, a friend to kind of push them towards getting to a place where they seek help for themselves? Communicating with them, being open, allowing yourself to be a safe space. 
So when someone does come to you about concerns that they may be experiencing, not judging, but being a friend and listening. And sometimes we feel like we have to have the answers, but a lot of time it can be hard to have the answers for something that you haven't experienced, Mm -hmm. something that you don't have the knowledge basis for. And so really recognizing that sometimes the best way to be a friend is to be present and to recognize when it's time to maybe help find resources to get further help. Okay. I mean, and that's, that's, that's very real because some of these things are, you know, very much life and death even. And I think it is important to recognize how much you can help and be cognizant of when, you know, it's past your pay grade, if, if you will. So mm-hmm. another thing that happens quite often in the black community is when you do say, hey, I need help, I want to go to therapy, but you're in an environment where your mother or other people in your family are discouraging you and telling you that you're okay, God's going to make a way, you have to pray about it, and you know that's the solution. What do you do then? I think sometimes recognizing within ourselves with that spirituality piece that it can exist with additional help too. Um, Our family and our friends sometimes, unfortunately, won't support us in these things all the time, but it can be helpful to recognize if you feel like you need that help for yourself, that there's a way for these two things to coexist. And sometimes we feel like only one thing can be true at a time and that we can't have these two, like almost like they're comp- they're competing when really they could be working together. So you could have this spirituality and you could have this faith and you could also be seeing a mental health practitioner and actually have the two work together. Because if it's a, a like a competent and um, ethically practicing therapist, mm-hmm. if spirituality is something that is important to you, they can definitely bring that into session. Mm-hmm. They'll just follow your lead regarding the kind of Uh, I guess, perspectives you would like that to include Mm. and how you want it to look. Okay. Yes, that's great. And in that, how do you, what what are the processes one will go through to seek uh, professional help? How how does one find a therapist? There's a few different ways you could go about it. Um, One, you can call the, um, the National Suicide Hotline which I also wanted to make sure that I brought up before when we were talking about, you know, recognizing when something may be kind of, as you stated, a little bit above like your pay grade or Mm -hmm. your friend might need additional help. Recognize that if someone is having thoughts of harming themselves or if you're having thoughts of harming yourself, you know, calling 911, going to the nearest ER or calling that uh, national hotline. So it's 1-800-273-8255 is the National Suicide Hotline. And they can connect you with resources, but if you're not in, um, I guess, at risk of harming or hurting yourself and you just feel like you need to see somebody, then you can look on a bunch of directories. So Psychology Today is a very popular directory where you can type in Mm -hmm. your zip code and you can even specify certain things that you're looking for specifically, whether it be someone who like helps specifically with anxiety or someone who helps specifically with depression, certain personality disorders, things of that nature. They give you the opportunity to click that. Also, Therapy for Black Girls, 
that's a really helpful directory for a lot of Black women. Um, Melanin and Mental Health, that's also a popular directory. NBCC, so the National Board for Certified Counselors, if you're a counselor like me, then they also have a directory where a lot of therapists post their information and their location for their offices and stuff. But if all else fails, really, you could type into Google. Like I tried it out of curiosity one day, like you type in black therapist near me, if that's what you're looking for, Latinx therapist near me, or just, you know, anxiety therapist near me, whatever you're looking for. And they'll actually bring up people in the area that are close to you, as well as a specific page on psychology today of therapists that cater to that uh, demographic that you're looking for. Yeah. And actually, I found success with psychology today. That's pretty much how I found my therapist. And I was able to find someone that was a Black female and also who had specific specialty in chronic illness, which Mm -hmm. I found to be very important because, you know, I want someone to know and, and be used to working with somebody like me. So I think that you're right. There are a lot of different sites and stuff that have filters that kind of you can narrow down the type of person you're working with. So a lot of times people are having issue with the cost. I know on some of those sites, they do let you say what kind of insurances you do have. But do you know about resources for people who have low income or, you know, maybe not? don't have insurance at all. Mm -hmm. Well, first, during this pandemic, a lot of therapists are offering like sliding scales, but sometimes they Mm -hmm. don't advertise it. And so if you find a therapist that you're interested in and they feel like they're out of your price range, you can ask, like, do you offer any sliding scales or are you doing a special rate during the pandemic? Like I know I am trying to make sure that I'm able to provide people with necessary services. So that's something. There have also been a lot of programs where people have been offering free services as well. Uh, one that comes to mind, so Taraji P. Henson, she has the Boris L. Henson Foundation, and they raise funds and connected therapists with people. And I think you can get five or six sessions for free. It's all virtual. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not sure. She said, you know, everything was available while supplies last. So I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but it started... I think at the end of last month. So hopefully they still have some availability and that could be a really helpful option. And then apart from that, a lot of local mental health centers um, are usually providing sliding scale payments and stuff. Well, that sounds wonderful. I think that's a, a lot for people to start working with to find someone. Now, a lot of times we've been hearing the narrative and we kind of touched on it before about black people feeling like, Oh, you know, our ancestors did all of this and more and still had it together. And um, we get into that whole black woman superhero complex Mm -hmm. and it starts to become problematic and, you know, spirals out of control. What can we do to kind of nip that in the bud and understand, yes, we have to do certain things, you know, to keep everything afloat, but we have to take care of ourselves too. I think giving ourselves the grace to be human can be so important. 
Like often I tell my clients, be kind to yourself. And that can look different for different people, depending on the ways you've been communicating with yourself, viewing yourself, the treatment that you've been giving yourself as well. But that's something that could be really important. Like when we're having those harsh thoughts about ourselves, like you should just be able to push through this. And there are people who made it Mm -hmm. worse. Instead, maybe taking a step back and saying, yes, there are people before me that have went through hard times. And because of that, like I'm able to look up to them. Like I know the type of strength that's in my blood. And also in order to make sure that I'm functioning properly, giving myself some time to acknowledge that I may be tired. I may need a rest. I may need to take a break. Giving yourself the opportunity to acknowledge your emotions and feelings regarding situations because things like that tend to come back out anyway. So it just depends on whether you want to have control over how healthily you allow them to come out. But they typically make themselves like known and they come back around. So Very much so. So would you advise people to start incorporating therapy, even if they don't feel like something is quote unquote wrong? Actually, yes, it could be really helpful if you have the resources around you. It can be, a lot of times people feel like therapy is when you're at the brink or you're, you know, in Mm -hmm. crises. And really like going to therapy before it gets to that point can be really beneficial so that, because there are different modes of kind of practicing therapy. And so a lot of times when you come in in crises, people are in are at a point of just needing to be stabilized at that point. Whereas if you're able to come in beforehand, then you may actually get to kind of work through things a little bit more quickly, feel like you're making a lot of ground. And so therefore, hopefully it's preventative and not um, reactionary. If that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. It does. So a lot of people because of COVID-19 and because of the shutdowns, stay in home quarantine orders or figuring out some of the things in their lives are what was causing some of the issues that they have and that slow down that time to breathe mm-hmm. and they don't want to go back to the old life. How can people start to process that and basically figure out the next step forward without feeling the anxiety of starting over, trying something new, you know, things like that. I think giving yourselves the opportunity to grieve and be self-aware regarding the emotions that you're experiencing about it can be so helpful. I think, especially with everything that we have going on and so many people being in situations where they may be unemployed and they're trying to make sure that they're meeting their needs, um, it can be hard to feel like you're justified in feeling sad or feeling anxious, feeling upset about everything. And I'm in no way saying kind of just like stop and be stuck there, but giving yourself the opportunity to be like, man, like Mm -hmm. this does suck. And this isn't, this isn't the way I expected things to go and giving yourself the opportunity to process through those feelings, recognizing like, Hey, I am sad. I am fearful. I am frustrated that this happened and recognizing those emotions, maybe finding a way to process it, journaling, talking to a friend, writing a letter, um, listening to music that's describing the emotions that you're experiencing at that time, like giving yourself the chance to really work through some stuff. And then from there, developing a plan that could be really helpful during this time, because there are so many unknowns. There are so many feelings that we're experiencing right now. And in a lot of ways, for a lot of people, it may be new. This is like a global traumatic event. And a lot of people haven't had something this traumatic happen to Mm. them. 
And so it could be hard to even know where you stand or how you're feeling. So taking the time to figure that out could be really important. Absolutely. I can totally agree with that. I do feel like I've seen I've seen a lot of both ways. I've seen, you know what, it's okay. Just let yourself go. Um, we'll just, you know, figure it out next year. And then I've seen the other end of the spectrum where it's like, this is your time. You need to get this done, get that done. Finally get right on your fitness plan. Finally get your diet together. Finally get your house in order. Start that business you know, all this kind of thing. So what do you, what do you think about that? Like, should we be just taking it easy? Should we be using this time to think of the next best thing? Like, how should we handle this extra time that we may have, but still, you know, keeping ourselves in a nice, easy state, you know, without going overboard either way or either end of the spectrum. So kind of aiming to create a balance. It sounds like you're speaking of. That makes sense. Really, I think first taking a look at the way that we were functioning prior to the pandemic and then think about our expectations for ourselves currently. That could be really important because I know for a lot of people, they were go, go, go. Like, you know, you're working like Mm -hmm. 10 hour shifts and things like that. And so now when the pandemic hits for a lot of people, they're like, I don't have the energy to do that. I don't know how I was doing that. A lot of people are now working from home, which for various reasons could be more draining than having to go into an office, you know, but still feeling bad about it. Feeling like I should be able to meet the same level of productivity, what's going on. So really recognizing, you know, taking a look, sitting down and considering, okay, this was how I was, these are the things that were required of me. This is kind of how I felt like I was functioning during that time. And this is what I'm noticing I'm doing now. And then adjust essentially for the situation that we're in, adapting to that situation. And so being kind to yourself again. So maybe that means the 10 hour shifts really are too much and that's okay. (laughs) What does productivity look like for you now in this season and in this time? And kind of thinking about on a subjective level, what do you need in your life right now in order to be able to flourish and thrive and like still feel like you're doing the things that you have to do? Because a lot of times we're doing a lot of extra things that may not necessarily be required. They're just part of our routine. And so if you're not doing that anymore, being kind to yourself and recognizing, hey, right now I might just be in more survival mode and that's okay. But giving yourself that grace could be really important. Survival mode is definitely the name of the game right now, at least in my opinion. I know a lot of women not only have the work aspect to try to work on if they're still working, but also the kids at home, the full-time homeschooling, trying to juggle that and their work. Um, and this this is in married people and single households, but definitely with the single parent households, trying to juggle all these things and becoming overwhelmed and not being able to lean on that support system like they once could because of the social distancing and all of that. So how does one try to handle that? And when do they say, you know what, maybe this doesn't have to get done or that doesn't have to get done? I think, so when we talked about that self-awareness piece a little bit before, during a time like this, that could be so helpful. 
So recognizing like, okay, this is becoming too much. This is feeling like a weight, whether that be increased feelings of anxiety, um, maybe increased feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, depression, things of that nature. And then recognizing that you're doing the best you can and that's okay. So I think for each person being able to, when you start allowing yourself to feel emotions and acknowledge them, the more practice you have with that, the more quickly you'll be able to recognize when you feel like you're reaching like your stress threshold and you can't take any more. And that's really important as we're navigating through these things. Right. I hear a lot about meditation or yoga or things like that. Are those the type of things that we should be trying to incorporate when we feel ourselves getting a little in over our heads? Mm -hmm. Those could be really helpful. So meditation, yoga, I know there are a bunch of apps right now, uh, especially for meditation. As far as like yoga and things go, many people were used to being able to go to gyms, work out, things of that nature, and we're unable to do that at the moment in many states. And so YouTube has a lot of great resources and a lot of, they're all free. <laughs> so a lot of great free resources. Uh, <laughs> Makes them even better. <laughs> that could be really helpful. Makes them even better. <laughs> during that time. Absolutely. For you to be able to practice as well as some other things too. So like some deep breathing, making sure that we're getting out of okay. the house, you know, so getting some fresh air, experiencing nature. Um, sometimes it's helpful when this feels so monotonous and we're unsure when it's going to end, giving ourselves something to look forward to each week. So whether that be, you know, okay. taking a trip to get your favorite ice cream or something in the drive through or, you know, taking a drive to check out your favorite scenic area or something along those lines, talking to a friend at the end of every week, like a FaceTime or a duo and you all mm -hmm. have a wine date or a food date or something along those lines. Absolutely. Like, it could be helpful given. Yes. That is definitely a good idea. Planning an activity, something to look forward to with friends or other people um, so that you still have some kind of variety, something um, that you're not, it's not like Groundhog's Day, if you will. I know a lot of times in the media, and I don't know if this is just, you know, something the media is trying to pump up because it's every other day they're talking about millennials this and millennials mm -hmm. that. But it does seem that there is an increase um, in anxiety and depression in the millennial age group. Why do you think that is? I think, too, in a lot of ways, um, we're still trying to figure out if it's necessarily an increase or that we're doing such a good job reducing stigma in certain communities that now mm -hmm. people are mm -hmm. able to report it and like it's becoming more normalized. Right. So that could be, too. Um, and I think part of that has to do with just kind of like the differences in how we're communicating about things, because really, if you think about past generations, a lot of times people have experienced stuff. They really just didn't have the language for it because a lot of times you were told you mm -hmm. were being soft or you were being a baby, you needed to man up. But when, you know, even when I think back to some of the symptoms I've heard people had, like, you know, nervous stomach, you know, like anxiety more than likely, yeah. you know, like things like that yes. um the yes. or this person just has their bad days but it happens often and people just know to like leave them alone like mm -hmm. that might have been depressive symptoms mm. you know like but we didn't really have right. the vocabulary for it it you know for a while it was such a huge spectrum that you know it was kind of just like well 
where you know you don't want to go to the crazy house which i hate that word or that terminology but that's what people would call it it was so hard to communicate about those things because you felt like it would be taken to the extreme and then you would be placed in an uncomfortable situation Mm -hmm. whereas now there's varied levels and even so that terminology isn't used you know like there are treatment facilities mental health care facilities things of that nature where people can go and get a variety of treatment it doesn't just have to be something that's long term and impatient all of the time as Mm -hmm. well so I think we just have more resources more ability to communicate it and I feel like our generations and coming generations um, have been doing a really good job of trying to communicate those things and create a safe space but also too thinking about the things that generations have been through, like just thinking about the millennial group, like like if we even step outside of 2020, like you go kind of like towards when we were younger, you know, like we went through 9-11 and it seemed like after that, like everything else just went mm. downhill. And depending on how old you are, you know, you probably just like were a part of like the AIDS epidemic and then you had 9-11 and then mm-hmm. it just like, it's just been going. And so that's a lot. To like kind of have, you know, your first introductions into yes. the world be all of these worldwide traumatic events. Right. And every time that you felt like you were in a good space, in a healthy space, things were going mm-hmm. good, bam. Um, and, and that kind of thing yeah. could almost give you PTSD because you're like, hey, I don't want to get too happy. I don't want to get too comfortable. I don't want to feel mm-hmm. like everything is all right. Because as soon as you do that, then something else happens and you get afraid mm-hmm. to enjoy yourself because you don't, you, you're always in attack mode. Like, Hey, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to save up. I can't, I can't have too much fun because you never know when the next economic mm-hmm. disaster is going to be here. Agreed. Agreed. Complimentary to therapy. What types of things should you also be doing to kind of maintain that healthy mental state? Along with therapy, spending time building and maintaining healthy friendships and relationships with your support system, whether that Mm -hmm. be, you know, family members, community members, like in groups, churches, extracurricular activities like sports and things like that. Being self-aware of how we're feeling and when you feel like you need to take mental health days, things of that nature, intentionally practicing self-care. And that can look different for a lot of people. I know a lot of times people always think of like the bubble baths and the incense and the candles, which it could definitely be that. But sometimes for people, it's, you know, cleaning up your house Mm -hmm. because you've been so busy during the week and like being in a messy space adds to your anxiety or something like that or doing your laundry because you've been having a really hard time like finding the type of outfit you want and the color patterns that you need because your laundry is overflowing things like that for other people taking a walk spending time with those friends you know having your glass of wine at the end of the week so being aware of what you feel like will help you to function at your optimal uh, self and then navigating from there can be really helpful yeah absolutely I totally agree with that um Self-care is so personal, and yet it's basically one of the first things that you can do um, to help yourself out and, and, and maintain that balance that we were talking about, especially um, as Black women, because like we said, we always talked about um, that superhero complex and trying to do so much, but your mental health 
is tied to your physical health, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and we've talked about this on other episodes of the show, how much those things are correlated and how stress and anxiety and all these kind of things introduce and increase inflammation markers and things, you know, all of that. So you you think you might be okay because you're handling everything and then you come to find out you may have headaches or you may have this and you may have that. Mm-hmm. Are people thinking of that and being told those things when they go into the physical doctors? Like when you have certain things going on in your life, are, are there certain things that you should say, hey, maybe in addition to going to this medical doctor, I should maybe try to start going to see a therapist. I think some uh, some doctors' offices too. They're trying to be more aware of this. So I've heard people getting um, like anxiety or depression inventories where they're asking, you know, okay. like um, they'll ask, like, have you been down, you know, uh, more than you feel like you've usually been down, and if so, for how many days do you feel like that's happened for the past one or two weeks or something like that? And they keep asking questions like that to maybe identify that there may be something additional going on that could be worked on. And then from there, they kind of give you a general overview and possibly provide you some referrals. Um, But apart from that, like, let's say that your doctor doesn't do that, or you just feel like that isn't comprehensive enough, which makes sense. Um, Recognizing that if you feel like you're going through some additional stressors um, and you feel that the stressors are overwhelming, um, they are impacting the way that you're functioning, Um, Just for yourself, that could be an indicator like, hmm, maybe I want to check out what it would look like to see a therapist or something at this time. Um, Mm -hmm. And it could be a variety of other reasons, too. Maybe you're in a big life transition and it's seeming really hard to kind of navigate or adjust to. That could be helpful and a a reason to go see a therapist. Maybe processing some grief, whether it be due to this Mm -hmm. situation, a loss of a family member. Or like a loss of a friendship, a loss of a job, things not going the way that you expected them to go, that could cause a lot of grief. And so that could be a reason to go talk with someone as well. Having some difficulty in your relationships, that could be a reason to go talk with a therapist. So there's a myriad of reasons. Kind of if you feel like this is different, this feels different from how I normally navigate. And it feels like it's creating a little bit more stress for me in my life to the point where I'm noticing it's impacting the way that I'm communicating, the way that I'm navigating, whether it be work, other areas of my life, that could be a reason to go. Since you bring up relationships, I do feel like there used to be more of a stigma on going to um, couples therapy Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And we're kind of getting out of that. It's kind of becoming a little bit more commonplace. How do you decide if, you know, you're in a relationship and things are not going well, how do you decide whether it's worth going to therapy or maybe, you know, determining if the relationship is toxic enough that you shouldn't be in in the first place? How do you try to determine whether it's something that you want to work on versus this is not good for your mental health. Mm -hmm. I need to walk away. I think it's subjective for each couple and each relationship. So it would be hard to provide like Mm -hmm. a blanket answer. Um, However, feeling and being aware of like the emotions and the way that you feel like you're navigating in the situation could be so helpful. 
you know, if you're the person who feels like you're considering, do I need to schedule us an appointment and or talk to, you know, my partner about making an appointment for us? Or do I need to leave the relationship? Recognizing how you're feeling it and how you're navigating it could be really helpful. Because a lot of times at the end of toxic relationships, people feel like I lost myself. Like, I don't know what it is that I like. I don't know what Mm -hmm. it is that I want anymore. There's a lot of regret because they feel like in the midst of that, they didn't listen to their first minds. They kind of, you know, ignored and negated red flags and things of that nature. So while you're in a situation, recognizing how you feel like it's influencing you. And that could be really helpful in determining whether it's something that could be worked on or something that needs to end. Okay. And what's an example of some of those red flags? Obviously, well, to me, obviously, it would be, you know, like domestic abuse and um, things of that nature. But what kind of other things that are problematic that people may try to push under the rug for a little while, but are actually Um, red flags? do think that that depends on the individual because some things for some people could be like you know know, red flags based on your experience your trauma history when you look at the qualifications that you want for a maid they may not have that and so therefore that may be a red flag um you feel like you're not being true to what you said you wanted like depending and I think you know that's subjective too but settling you know what exactly that looks like like sometimes there's a difference between compromising and settling so if you feel like you're settling in areas that um, are unhealthy for Mm -hmm. you or harmful for you that could be a red flag but it does depend on the person but like you said you know domestic abuse harm things of that nature um whether it be emotional physical verbal that type of thing like that could be a red flag for someone to you know step Mm -hmm. back from a relationship because at that point it's harmful and it's not helpful or healthy to you but apart from that a lot of other things could be pretty subjective yeah that's very true um because people are affected differently by different things absolutely so for those of us who want to talk to you specifically more, how do we get in touch with you? You know, if we want to get in on that uh, sliding scale special you have going on and things of that nature. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at K Norwood Therapy. I also have a Facebook page. It's my name with my acronym. So Kiara Norwood and then all the long <laughs> L-M-A-C-A-N-C-C. Right. Um, also to my website, uh, knorwoodtherapy.com. And it has a form that you can fill out and send a message to me. It also has my phone number and email address that you could contact me on as well. And do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to leave with the ladies? I think, you know, as we continue to decrease stigma in our community and have ourselves be safe spaces for, you know, our friends and maybe even us who may be experiencing some mental health concerns, being really careful about the language and stuff we use could be really helpful too. And I think that's something that we forget a lot. A lot of times just like the slang we use could also be mm-hmm. stigmatizing to people without even recognizing it. So someone who has mood swings, we automatically are saying they're bipolar um, or, you know, like we're, we're kind of diagnosing people and without even recognizing it, doing harm to people who actually experience, right. you know, such concerns. So I think that could be really important. 
because I do feel like there's been a great push in the community. So as we're continuing that, yes. just being aware of the way we communicate about things and people. Yeah, I, I see what you're talking about. Um, and I see it a lot on social media. So I think that we can all do mm-hmm. a better job of being cognizant of what that what that means to the people that we're talking to, but also the people who actually are going through those things, even if the people that we're talking to are not. So that is a very good tip mm-hmm. because like we were saying before, um, the stigma around mental illness is one of the main reasons why people don't seek out the help that they need. Mm-hmm. So this has been a very good episode. I'm so glad you were able to join us and you're always welcome to come back and have another talk, you know, whenever you want to. Um, I'd like to thank you for coming today. Thank you for inviting me. It's been great talking with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and was able to get something out of it. Miss Norwood can be reached via her website at norwoodtherapy.com, her Facebook, Kiera Norwood, LMHCA, NCC, CCTP, or her Instagram at Norwood Therapy. You can also check out Miss Norwood's ads on Psychology Today and Therapy for Black Girls. Follow the podcast at Yo This Can't Be Life on Instagram and Facebook.